1: 97.1 FM
0: Talk on Demand Audio.
1: Daniel Dreyfus, producer of All Quiet on the Western Front, welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. How are you? It's good to be talking to you. Pleasure to be here. Well, first and foremost, congratulations on all these accolades for All Quiet on the Western Front. That's had to be amazing a week ago waking up to that news.
0: It was very special. It was it, it's a privilege, as I said, You know, to go beyond the international film, it was a bigger dream than I could dream myself to go all the way to nine categories and 14 BASTA nominations. Yes. It's quite remarkable. And I'm just grateful that the film found its audience um, and recognition among amongst our peers.
1: Well, I want to talk about the movie quite a bit here, but I have to ask you about your connection to Columbia. I have a son who's 23 years old, who's a teacher. He's a QP at Hickman High School. You, Daniel, were a QP, right? How did that happen?
0: <laughs> I um, came basically uh, did what one could say an exchange program with my own family. I came from Brazil, where I lived at the time, and... I grew up knowing that I had this American family, which um, comes all the way from the 60s when my father first came from Uruguay as an American field service um, for an exchange student to live with a Coffalo family in St. Louis, in Clayton specifically.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Okay he really became the fourth child of that family. He was adopted in their hearts, and I grew up, therefore, knowing that I had this American family. I first met them when I was 10. Um, I came to to visit with with my dad, and then when I was about 16, I did what my father had done some 35 years prior, and I came to live with one of his three um, American siblings, and they chose... um, the, the the person that I ended up calling my, my mom, my American mom, uh, Sally Silvers, because her family had kids my age and in turn became my siblings and my family. Today, my father's gone, and, and they truly are the family that I have on my father's That's side. amazing.
1: That is cool. Now, you did um, one of the other things that I came across. You did an interview with the Columbia Missourian. You described that um, year with the family in Columbia is out of a Hollywood picture. What do you mean by that?
0: You know, when you grow up overseas, um, this idea of what a high school looks like in the United States, um, the lockers, the high school culture, the cliques. um <laughs> yes. You- such an American, like the American graffiti yeah. coming-of-age story. It's such a uniquely American experience. So when I arrived there, all the lockers, the, the faces of the people, the cliques, the first day walking in the, in, in the cafeteria with a tray waiting for one table of the various cliques to, to welcome me, felt very much like all of those movies that I had seen. And then on top of that, I had a magical... Experience. I really found myself from the new kid on the block to being very connected and felt right at home and made many friends, some of which I'm still in touch today, uh, although we're scattered all over the country and the world. So it was both very familiar because it looked like a movie and then it was wonderful just like itself.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So what, and obviously we we can probably go on for quite some time with with all this information, but uh, what was your path then to becoming a film producer?
0: After high school, I went back to Brazil. I went to college in Brazil, and I worked in Brazil, an American company. I think my time in Colombia opened my eyes to the idea that it would be possible for me to come back to the United States and, and live in the States. Um, and I came straight to Los Angeles after college, right after college, with two bags and big dreams and passion. but where I was at the time, because you know no one in my family was in film, no one I knew was in film, my in into the film industry was I thought I wanted to work in marketing in market movies for international territories and markets. Um, and I think eventually, after being in that for a little while, literally one morning I woke up and I thought to myself, this is not the reason I want to be in this business. I want to be in this business to tell stories. I want to work in the business, telling stories, characters, bringing worlds to the screen, not necessarily working on behalf of those movies, which is more of what I was doing at the time. Absolutely. So I went to in producing and once i left grad school i called myself an independent producer and worked until i actually was producing something luckily the first film that i produced no became Chile's, the country of chile first oscar entry uh, first oscar nomination rather in history so i had the good fortune that my first feature became an Oscar nominee in what was called at the time Best Foreign Film, now known as Best International Film, and that film did play in Columbia, Missouri, at the closing of the True/False Film Festival.
1: And what a film festival that that is! I've been I've been in several years, and you know the pandemic threw it off. But what an amazing film festival that has been in Columbia!
0: Oh, absolutely, it, it is. I have. Tr- I think the first year that I went was 2007 and or around then and I or eight and I have been most years since I think I may have missed a couple when I was shooting or, or something but I try to go every year obviously it gives me a chance to see the family yeah and the family growing because now I have a nephew and a niece and it's great to see the city and and escape to Colombia from all of which is uh the industry here and 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 the city um, and it 's just such a joy joyous festival and I love documentaries because so much of my work has been inspired by true stories obviously there 's a direct dialogue between what inspires me, what I do, and some of the documentaries that are and the documentaries that are in true false. Uh, and also, it's amazing to see how the city rallies behind it and, and how the city supports it. And it's happy to have it and shows up. I love to see full screening rooms, full theaters, lines for film. Yeah, for it's very impressive. It Without really is. Stars. It's
1: an incredible. And for those people listening, I, pl- you know, I plug this here in St. Louis for years for, for folks who have never been to True Falls. You should check it out. In Columbia, Daniel Dreyfus is here. He is uh, one of the producers on All Quiet on the Western Front. So why why this film? You know, I think when when a lot of us heard about this movie and I've known about a little bit more than people who just found out last week with the Oscar nominations, we all say, "Okay, well, this was one of those books that we had to read. in I don't even remember junior high or high school. That's what most people, I think, think of with All Quiet on the Western Front.
0: I think that's the case. I think a lot of people walk up to me and say, you know, I read this book in high school. I read a book in my uh, last year of junior high, and I didn't. I read the book later in life, but I received a um, script about 10 years ago, and my family, my father's family, is from Germany, and they were German Jews, and my grandfather was born in 1899 and joined the war in 1917 and fought in World War I. And his first cousin is one of the people who died on that last day or last few days of the war. So when mm-hmm. I got that script, I felt like I knew these people, and I felt there was an opportunity to do a retelling of the story, focusing on those last few days of the war, which is the way the script was uh, conceived, Mm-hmm. But I also had that story in my house, in my household. And so I felt like I had something to say and I could honor those people, uh, including my grandfather's generation who fought for Germany in World War I, only to be sent to a concentration camp um, some 20 years later.
1: Well, look, it's an incredible film, and it, it's just so harrowing because of the realism. I, I can't argue to people here listening that it's going to make you feel good because it's really, it's really tough to watch with uh, with the reality. One of the questions I, I had for you as a producer is: we see war movies all the time with uh, whether it's from World War One, World War Two, with the trenches, and you know, this is so realistic. Do you have to rebuild trenches all the time? Are there sets that you can take advantage of the trenches that have been built for other? war films because it seems like a a big part of the production
0: there might be standing trenches but for in our case things were created and most films I would say would also create their own because it has to do with the camera movement it has to do with the the tone of the picture some might be a little more on the whimsical side or fantasy side Although whimsical is hardly a word you would associate with war um, and also the way the camera needs to travel through those trenches. Maybe there is a design that comes after the, the director has envisioned the camera movement. So it really depends on the production. But I would probably guess that most films, sh- short of having to, to have one or two sequences, and then they take what we call a standing set right. in the back plot somewhere, would probably go build their own if they're going to be a hero set, meaning a set in which the bulk or a lot of the action takes place
1: yeah and that makes sense i i was just curious about that look we threw all these young men and uh, those of us who never had to deal with some of this we, we deal with things that stress us out like sitting in traffic and we think about these young men scared as you know what into a war like this and i felt like this film all quiet on the western front more than many other war films that i've seen seems to go further in showing the fear and anxiety of these soldiers. Is that an accurate interpretation, do you think? I think that this was not
0: a, a, a hero's journey. And that is perhaps the key difference. Yeah. A lot of things that we've seen about war are a hero's journey. It's one person who needs to defeat the, the odds and beat the odds and kill people, and then they survive and triumph at the end. This is not that. This is stowed from the point of view of Germany uh, and also the side that lost the war. Uh, and it's also, for the first time, the story was stowed, the Volcanoes in Front was told from that perspective. But at the end of the day, all those who participate in the war and the youth that was deceived or sent to fight, almost recyclable by those people who wanted power and greed and due to false pride, they are the victims of the war. And, and there's no winning side in that. Uh, for those who stood face to face with the bullets and and the horrors of war, it was never as remarked the author says an adventure. So in that sense, uh, it is very much a a story that wanted to highlight the horrors of war because it's an anti-war, anti-bellic. Film.
1: yeah well there's a scene i don't want to ruin anything for people in the movie by the way you can find it on netflix it shows uh, one of the main characters uh, about to be killed and there's again i don't want to ruin anything but there's humanity that's shown in one scene where there is a german soldier that sees um family pictures of you know the other soldier that he just killed with the mud caked on his face and he basically mourns the soldier he just killed and and had to kill to save his own life and and that's something else you don't see very often
0: it's one of my favorite sequences in the film, and I think you're alluding to the scene in The Crater, that is yeah. lifted from the book um, and was also in the 1930 version of the story uh, that won the Oscar for Best Picture back then. The It is one of those moments when the character has lost his humanity as the humanizing as this, this war um uh, does and then in that glimmer of moment he regains regains his humanity when he realizes that they're both the same they're both youth fighting not knowing why they're fighting for what purpose have lost any sense of humanity and in that moment he regains a glimmer of of humanity and sees himself in that other kid who could be yeah. his friend was not for the fact that they we were on opposite sides. It
1: was really well done. Yeah, I like. And you yep. know, here we are, a hundred plus years from when this movie is set, and we're still doing this over in Ukraine right now, which is just, I think, to a lot of us, just stunning. But Daniel, congratulations again on the film. I, I would. Re- now, I cheat. I want to ask you your opinion of this. I cheated because I have been a fan over the years, watch films that are in subtitles. If it's a foreign film, it's a good film. I've been such a promoter, and then I kind of saw that Netflix had a dub version and I watched it in English. Did I do the wrong thing, Daniel?
0: Listen, I spent a great deal of time trying to make this film in the original language and go back to the original text so that people in the trenches on the German side could be speaking German to each other because authenticity is important to me. However, I also believe in the democratization of entertainment. Yes. Or so I think that it is important that people be exposed to the story into the film. Of course, you would ask me as a filmmaker, it is my personal preference that people see it in the original, not just my movie, any movie. Right. So you can see the flavors of that culture of a world. However, people should consume film, culture, entertainment, the way that it also is accessible when it speaks to them. So for me, the Paramount, element here is that it be seen not just this works of of fiction and and historical fiction or drama in general and if the way to do that if somebody feels more comfortable watching it in english it is their choice and their privilege to be able to do so my personal preference as a filmmaker is always to go back to the original it has been for you.
1: I get it, and I think that's a great answer. Daniel Dreyfuss, congratulations again. A ton of BAFTA nominations, a heap of Oscar nominations as well. It's playing right now on Netflix, All Quiet on the Western Front. I love the St. Louis and the Columbia Connections. Come see us sometime. Thank you, Daniel. Would be my pleasure. Thank you. Get more at 971talk.com.